yeah. So I, I really appreciate the time. Yes, can I just mention one thing about yes. your backdrop? You have a pillow behind you that says naughty and it's sitting right on your shoulders, though. You've got that little angel and the devil, right? Nice. So there's the, you know, be naughty, be naughty. No, no, no. And so, although the other side actually isn't represented. just It for, isn't represented. Yes. <laughs> it's dead now. <laughs> he beat the stuffing out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Nice has disappeared, but naughty keeps back. Bouncing in and out. And I just, you yeah. know, just let you know. I'm Chris Lockhart. Welcome to another episode of Consultants Saying Things. Um, joined today by Philly Anoff, Carol Hamilton, and special guest, Wendy Keen. And uh, Wendy's joining us live from Norway. So, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting, it's probably going to get dark there a little bit sooner than, than over here. Um, but, you know, we're taking sort of an interesting uh, pivot away from all of the COVID discussions. This is a topic that we really wanted to get to for a while. This is the topic of uh, women in consulting. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then, you know, this, this topic of, of like women in consulting? I mean, I know we originally were going to talk about business architecture, but I think this is much more interesting, right? Yeah, just a bit about the background. I mean, as you said, Chris, I, um, longtime business architecture practitioner, educator, thought leader, community builder around the globe. Um, I've practiced the discipline from about every angle you can imagine from, um, you know, architecting enterprise-wide business transformations to working with social entrepreneurs in Africa. So um, I, I also think it's it's worth mentioning that um, I've, I've lived in consulting my whole career. And before S2E, I ran a 100-person team uh, doing business architecture and business transformation. So also a perspective there. And then two other tidbits that actually do color my perspective. Um, I have spent a long time um, on the ground in Africa doing various types of work. So a little bit different perspective uh, on women there. And then also living in Norway, I'm from the States, from New York, but um, but I live in a in a country now that is, you know, top of the list for gender equality. So I have some different influences there, but I love that we're talking about this topic because I think it's important for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, first of all, it's 50% of our population, right? So from a business perspective, without women fully at the table, we miss talent, we miss perspective, we miss creativity, we miss the ability to, to, to build relationships and, and connect with different groups of people. I also think that, I mean, my gosh, we all know the forces um, that have been emerging and emerging. And you know, in our global connected world, I think there's new levels of responsibility and transparency that the shifts are inevitable. So it's not an if, it's not, are we going to go backwards? It's only how do we move forwards? And to that point, I really believe that, um, you know, taking action is the best thing we can do in whatever position we're in, in whatever industry we're in. I think that's what we can do in conversations like this can can really bring those conversations to the forefront. Well, that, that's awesome. I mean, conversations like this were a long time coming on this podcast, which was um, 100% male until uh, this year. Um, but we, you know, we introduced uh, Carol this year. So, I mean, Carol, I know you, you've, I mean, in the, in the pre-roll, we were talking about, you know, hot topic for you, right? This, this whole idea of, you know, getting, getting women in, right? Um, I'm minded of sort of a, a factoid um, that, my experience sort of borne out. And this was some, I think it was like topconsultant.com. It was like 2006, right? And it was something like for the, sort of the, the top tier employees in major consulting firms, men outnumbered women like eight to one, right? Like, I, I don't know how you have a sort yeah. of a diverse perspective on things. You know, if your client is a cosmetics company and you put, you know, eight white guys in there, right? You know, it's like... <laughs> what, what's your perspective on and this? And that's actually you know, a real problem because... Yeah, I've got clients who are saying just that. They walk in the room and the client says, look at our team, look at your team. 
they don't match. And until they do, mm. we're, we're not saying we're not signing any contracts until we feel like you've got somebody on your team who comes from this other perspective, whether it's gender, race, religion, whatever it is, how, you know, your team should at least have some organic understanding of who we are. Wendy, are you seeing that also as you travel? Uh, absolutely. And especially in certain places versus others. And it's, it's, it, and it becomes a business thing too, because it's like, well, I want people, I mean, I'm expecting this diversity in perspective and people. And, you know, I want those people I can make the connection with and I feel the credibility there. So I do think that is, that is absolutely spot on, Carol. I wanted to ask you, you've, you've lived your life with a foot in each of the worlds of New York yeah. and the, the U.S. and Norway. And as you said, Norway's got a really great handle on general, uh, gender diversity. Where in the culture is the difference? Where is that happening so that, so that they're not staring down the barrel of the next generation, which we currently are, where we're just doomed to repeat if we don't make some changes? That is such a brilliant question. And I have to say, I'm not qualified enough to answer that yet. I have not lived here long enough to answer that. But I will say this. Um, it's like this society is underpinned by a different set of values. And when you come here, you get in those values. Um, I, I suppose it's from the way you kind of see everybody act, the conversations you have. Like to some extent, my even my conversations from a casual perspective with men and women are are different. Um, I mean, yes, there are laws to sort of embed it, but it's almost like it's taken so much hold that it's just part of that fabric. And I wish I could kind of put my finger on it, Caroline. I'd love to have this conversation again in a couple more years when I have some more experience, but but it is, it's not just in law, it's in DNA and the way people think, right? And the values they have. And I think that that's a lesson learned for companies to have that in their culture. You can't just have it as legislate. Here's the initiative. We're going to have this quota of gender, right? Yes. We need, I think you have to get into that DNA and say, where yes. is the block? Where is that yes. door locked? And who's making the decisions that continues to make the decisions, yes. even if it's through kind unconscious bias, nevertheless, the bias is giving the same numbers over and over. Yes. And I will say the prime minister is a woman. And, you know, even this is a subtle but important thing. When you look at when I open up a newspaper or a whatever magazine, women everywhere. Right. So those are those subconscious things that we may not see in the newspaper, you know, even to the extent that I think sometimes men are. I, I hear comments here are sensitive, like, wow, it's always a woman on the page. But it's uh, that subconscious thing, too. Well, and again, I don't know that I know the answer right, but I think about what Wendy is talking about, how she's in a culture now where it is now built into the law as well, right? And I think that in most places, right, you have to, it's like both have to have sort of a toehold. One grabs the other and pulls the other along. So we move a little bit of culture and then we say, well, let's create a rule, right? So for example, I mean, I think this is timely for this particular moment, right? NASDAQ has said that we want diversity on boards and they're talking about both gender and cultural diversity on boards, or we don't want you to be part of the NASDAQ, right? So they're saying, we're going to create a rule. This is something they just announced yesterday, I think. But, you know, they're going to create a rule. But the idea is to saying, look, there's a problem here. Let's see if we can't nudge this thing in the right direction and begin making a change, which, you know, to Wendy's point, at some point, you just open up a magazine and you just see women in charge and it just becomes a cultural norm and you're kind of okay with it. I mean, if I open up the paper and I saw Angela Merkel every day, I would feel differently in the world, right, than what I do when I pull open a U.S. newspaper, right? And I kind of follow world news, but the thing is, it's just different. Um uh, my question, I wonder in this, and I, of course, this is something perhaps that maybe Carol and uh, Wendy could answer better, is I think, you know, I thought that perhaps that maybe just the whole notion of management consulting as a whole, as a career, just didn't appeal to women because it didn't give them the flexibility for some time. And so maybe other changes have had to happen within the environment to make this something where now they're more interested in taking these roles, and then that allows them to kind of move forward. I don't know. Wendy, what do you think? I, I could be off base. I'm just kind of musing on this. Yeah, no. And Carol would love your perspective on this as well. I think, um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see as things keep moving down the line. And here's what I mean. Um, I wonder if that sort of lack of life balance is part of why 
we maybe see not as many women um, in, in executive positions. Maybe that is a contributor, I, I, I might guess. But what's interesting is I don't feel, and, and Carol would love to know what you think, I don't feel it's a detractor for younger women getting in the field because like, I mean, at least I certainly was not thinking, was not planning. Um, and people also are having kids later today. Um, and then if you can kind of move up and then get more flexibility over your schedule as you sort of move up in the ranks, I think it works a little bit better. So I don't know that that's um, in particular a detractor, but I could see it, it playing into the executive position. Carol, what do you I don't think it's a detractor. I think the attitude towards it is the detractor. Okay. One of the great things that's happened as a result of COVID is that men have been home with their children and tried to go to work. And there has been for the work for the for the people who wanted to stay home, there has been profound judgment. Mm-hmm. Should a child accidentally, you know, yell out during a call or a dog come running through, there's been all this, oh, if you were a better parent, kind of there has. There's been this huge feeling of judgment. The world has shifted its axis on its axis based on now dads are in there going, oh God, hang on, you know, my two-year-old's about to make an appearance, which happened yesterday with the CEO of a monster company. So there has been, I think, a shift in attitude that's led towards more empathy that says it's not you can't do the job. It's just we all need to relax a little bit. Instead of asking for this one image of absolute perfection, we have completely overrated that in the na- at the cost of the family. If we loosen that attitude, we make room for everybody to be parents, for everybody to be engaged, as well as really good at their jobs. And so it is about finding that malleable place where you say, you know what, so-and-so's off. They're simply not available this hour of the day because they're busy doing something with their family. But if you look at the big picture of that, that also means global inclusion gets so much better. Mm -hmm. Because we've got people in India at home trying to give Johnny a bath who hasn't seen mommy and daddy for hours. And you say, you know what, we're going to let you off the hook on this meeting. We're not going to flood your schedule. And we're also going to ask you to be up at midnight. And I actually think the flexibility of women feeds right into that. Um, but so like there, there are stats here, right? And yet at the same time, it's like it's undeniable. There are fewer women in, in like partner roles. And I, I, I wonder, like, you know, is it? Is it, is it the family thing? Is it, is it shifting priorities? Are women just smarter than men, right? And it's like, you know, well, they don't want the burnout associated with all of that. So they get to a certain level and then they go to industry. Or I'm not quite sure why it's happening, but it's there. And so I think it's kind of an, an interesting thing if we try to say like, oh, well, we're, <clears throat> we want to increase the diversity at a certain level. Are we fighting against something that the human species has, to your point, Carol, sort of we you know, developed around, right? That it's, it's, it's okay to give up your consulting career, right? Because what you're really doing is actually pursuing things that are more interesting to you at a certain stage of life. I don't know, right? That's sort of something that's been in my mind for, for a long time. Well, can we just step one step past diversity too? Because diversity to me is an HR function. It's putting different people in the room, but that is nothing compared to inclusion. So what it says is you're here, I respect you, and I'm going to see you for your full value, whether I agree with whether I'm used to having strong women in the room, whether I'm used to listening to everybody other than myself or than other than people who look like me. And so I actually think that the issue has become this, well, women want to have babies and and families. I think that that has been a tired and well-worn track that people have gone to and said it's okay that we have a 1% uh, gender mix on our board, I think that that's a go-to. And the reality is that when there is a place where women come and feel like they can actually have impact, you don't need to do anything more than enjoy the magnet you become. Because now you're the place where you're saying, we have flexibility, we have empathy, and we also have absolute respect and desire for your perspective. And now they're going to come flooding in instead of you out trying to beat the bushes and recruit them. They're coming to you because there's a place, a genuine place for them when they get there. You know, I, I think I think it's important to think on two fronts as well. One is the now and everything we need to do to 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 get, you know, women into the you know, as many places as we can. But I also think there's 
studying these factors and sort of correcting them so that in the future, right, this does correct itself. And that's not just, I mean, I work in consulting. I work crazy hours. I still work crazy hours because I love it. And I don't know if it's because I learned it or because I love it, but I'd love it. Um, so it's, 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 it's making, and hopefully, you know, COVID is going to make our, our world more flexible and tolerant, but that's part of it. You know, another thing is where do management consultants come from, right? A lot of them, I don't have stats, but at least in my experience, a lot of them come from engineering, which, you know, how many women are engineering? So even, you know, thinking about how do we broaden the messaging in the places that we pull from, um, you know, thinking about the future is also really important. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, not only engineering, but sort of, you know, business schools, right? And and things that and entrepreneurs and things like that. I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I love stats because that's one of the things I love is living my life in Excel and doing analysis, right? As a consultant. Um, but so I've got this other stat I'm going to throw out there, right? Um, this was, uh, this was Aon did a study, right? In 2017, they found that at the beginning of the career, 72% of women say they want to stay in the company. And for men, that stat was only 67%, right? And what was interesting to them was you, you come back five years later and the number of women that wanted to stay in the firm dropped to like 50 something percent, whereas men sort of stayed at the same level. And so the question was why, right? And it, it could be around some of these things. It could be sort of this boys culture, right? Of you know, uh, technologists that tend to all be male or engineers that tend to all be male or whatever it is. And, you know, it's to Carol's point, there's not that sense of inclusion after at, at a certain level. And then there's sort of a domino effect, right? I guess I was thinking about from my own family's perspective, like trying to figure this out. And I don't mean just my nuclear family, but my extended family, right? So we have generated a, for some reason, we're spitting out more girls than boys in certain parts of this family for whatever reason, right? Just one of those things. My mother-in-law has five sisters. Um, so, but the, the, in that space, right, is to see that, um, you know, some of them are really going after very technical data oriented consulting careers. Right? I mean, very, you know, the, the kind of stuff that's like, Oh, I think this is really cool. I'm glad to see someone else thinks this is really cool. Right. And they're often big data analysis and that kind of stuff, you know, in the biotech space. And it's like, all right. I, I think that there, I think now they see that there are more opportunities to do this. And the thing is, when she wanted to do internships, she had them all over the country that she could have gone to. So I thought that there, there were lots of opportunities kind of opening. So I don't know. I mean, I would like to think that, you know, we are certainly on our side, right? I know that from us, from a tech after five perspective, right? You know, we're out there talking to women who code and all of these organizations that are trying to bring women into the technical side of what we do so that they have more opportunities if that's what they want to do. Um, but I, you know, the thing is, is that just get them into the beginning and our, and, the, and maybe then we have to move our attentions toward mid-career and then towards high level, right, later on. But I think right now, I, mean, I, I feel like... There are lots of opportunities out there and some, some of these barriers just seem to be dropping. You know, there's a generation of folks that were schooled and an older way of doing things and they're retiring. They're off doing other things and where there's a bunch of younger folks doing this differently. And I'm pretty excited about it because I see a bunch of different voices I didn't see before at the table having conversations about stuff that, you know, I thought not everybody cared about. That's interesting because I mean, you know, certainly in the U.S., right? There are more women graduating with you know higher level degrees than there are men, right? And so, I, you know, I know the the Lego players in this household are the girls, right? They play with the Lego robotics and stuff like that. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think it, you know, I think you know the trope used to be right. Oh, women aren't interested in these sorts of things. We, I think we've at least at the childhood level, I think we've dealt to some degree with that in that. You know, there are, you know, building toys and, you know, computer games and things like that, that are sort of inclusive, you know, for, for both genders at the childhood level. And we know that in the education system, right, at least, you know, towards higher level degrees, right, there's this real focus on making sure that everything is inclusive. And we're spitting these people out, they go into the, the consulting workforce, and then something happens, right? And um, I just, I don't know what that is. And I just kind of, I think it's, it's frustrating, right? Because at a certain point, you, you know, you're, you're trying to put together this team to go pitch this cosmetics company and 
all you have to pick from are men that have no idea what any of the products are or why, right? Or worse, you you go to that woman, the the token woman (laughs) who gets dragged to every meeting. Wendy, you know this story, right? There's that one woman that everybody goes, oh, go get, go call her. She'll go. And, and suddenly she has no job other than to show up as the window dressing to the actual team. But I did like your sentiment too, though, Phil, about I feel like the right things are falling away. And I feel like we're, we're creating a little bit of a new world. I, and I, I liked, Chris, your initial question too around the skills. And I, I think it's interesting, again, like what we have today is different than what's growing into being. So we have to, I think, plan for the future to meet it and to drive it. And um, I, I love the idea of, of working in the, the technology and trying to, to promote that um, for women. But also, and this is just, you know, to muse on, um, when we think about our future world, and I'm going to give credit to a, a book called The Human Edge, you know, with things like AI coming in a big way, um, our challenge will be, I think, to be more human humans. And I think some of the, the skills that are going to become more relevant in the future as this book says, are you know the four C's: creativity, curiosity, consciousness, collaboration. And I think some of those skills women are naturally suited for too. So, anyway, just to to say that's in the mix as well when we think about what skills we need for the future. You know, um, on that front, I mean, you know, do you what do you think that there are sufficient sort of role models or support structure or lobbying infrastructure within some of these consulting firms or in the consulting industry uh, to sort of support and attract women, right? Because, you know, if, if, the, if you have fewer and fewer female partners, uh, there's fewer and fewer role models, there's, a, there's less of an infrastructure, right? To sort of advance and promote or, or serve as a, as a North Star, right? For, um, for aspiring young female consultants. You know, because I, I can't speak to sort of all the ins and outs of the large consulting companies, but from my own experience, I do remember, um, especially when I was younger, like a lack of uh, female mentors and role models, as you say. But I can remember hanging on really hard to some client leaders, right? Like some of those women clients that I work with that were in executive positions that I could role model after. So um, I, I, I do think we have to think like beyond consulting to, to find the, the women leaders where we can. But I, I guess I do feel like there are a lack of them. I'm not sure if I have the most informed opinion though. Carol, I'm not sure if you, you must have a take on this. Well, I, I, I you know, I think mentors are, are the greatest tool any of us can have. And I suggest that everybody, as soon as they get to a management level of some sort, uh, always have a mentor and always be a mentor yeah. because I think that that's how we all grow. And I think it's really, really important. And this is one of the skill sets that's missing in women is that women are not always the best uplifters of one another and can frequently come in with very harsh, if not more harsh, judgments on each other. And I would love for a culture to say, it's okay, it's safe and expected that you will have mentees of different genders and that you will, both genders, and that you will be supportive in these roles and not be seen as, oh, well, she's really fluffy or she's over-emotional because she's always about those people and that sort of thing. What I'm hearing that's giving me tremendous hope is even in the largest companies are saying that the world is about people and there is a whole generation of people who are looking to know who their children are, who are looking to be a part of their families and aren't simply, and are are demanding that work-life balance, which I think is going to drive all of this faster Mm -hmm. because these conversations have been around for 20 years with 1% 1% difference in, in boards. And I think when you start talking the NASDAQ, it's when you start affecting people's bottom line is when things are going to change in a massive way. You lose a contract because you didn't have any women on your team. Mm-hmm. You lose a contract because, uh, because you weren't even considered based on who the, the diversity of your board. Now you're going to get people's attention. And those people you've talked about who are old and retiring or hopefully dying off at some point soon will get out of the way. But They'll get out of the way because they're driven out by economics. And yeah, I'm okay if they die off. I have no arguments with that. I, I've been in rooms with them too many times to, to be kind about it. It's over. Move on. 
I'm okay with it. As an old guy, I'm okay with dying off. It's going to happen. <laughs> You're not one of them, so you should death, stay. Death. Yeah, you stay. No, no, you, <laughs> death, You're in the I'm headed in your direction. Why call me? Um, You're in the so, conversation. Yeah, I think the, there's a, I, I'm interested, cur- particularly curious. And I think any of you can answer this because you guys are all kind of like a little more forward facing this, right? I'm, I'm helping people who are doing the work. You're doing the work, right? What are the opportunities that you think you see to build bridges that aren't being built today or people aren't using the opportunities that they could have had to build the bridges and pull these folks along? I mean, I love Carol said, you know, be a mentor, be mentee, right? I mean, make sure that you have both sides of that equation always going. I've got to think there are ways to formalize that. There are ways to institutionalize that. There are ways to make that feel okay, right? So that more people are doing it. And I see Chris's mouth open. So I'm going to pop and say, you first, you got to, there's got to be some way that we can be better at building bridges to move this along. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, look, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, education on what the realities are as, a, as opposed to some of these tropes, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the trope that like, you know, a woman can have a, a husband, a family or, or a career, or like, but only two of those three, right? And I think, you know, to Carol's point earlier, I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't know that that's maybe since the 50s, you know, maybe I don't know that that's been true for a while. I just think we, we tend to fall into some of these patterns of like, well, you know, you know, oh, she's pregnant. So that means, you know, Nine months from now, she's going to quit or, you know, like those sorts of stupid things that I think we just sort of, you know, get or, or don't get out of, right? We get into sort of these, these ruts. And I think, so part of it is I'm getting, recognizing what is reality and consultants, especially, you know, if they're data driven, they should be looking at, you know, what is, what does the data say? The data says having more women involved in whatever it is that you're doing leads to greater success rates for that thing, right? I mean, that that's math. That's not like, you know, a conspiracy theory, right? So I think understanding that stuff is a first step because if you're just writing it off as, oh, well, you know, that's another hashtag movement or it's like, oh, well, you can't say that or you're, you're going to get in trouble with HR, like those sorts of things. I think that's just, that's 90s, right? Like we got to get past that. And I... I don't know. That's that's where I would start is just sort of understanding what is reality, right? By the way, by the way, I would love your perspective on this too. Um, obviously, everybody, but the reality is, science says, biology says, we do think differently, right? And, yeah. Right. We approach problems differently. We we you know use words differently. You know, women go to the doctor like five times more than men do, right? Men die earlier. I don't know if that's a correlation or not, but thanks, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> No, but that's why we need, we both need to be in the room. This isn't saying let's create matriarchy everywhere. This is saying let's both be in the room. And so one of the things I like when you're talking to your question is about metrics. And I think one of the great metrics comes around when you look at performance reviews and promotional opportunities. One of the metrics ought to be, who else did you raise? What is your hiring rate? What, are, what have you done in terms of getting your team involved in leadership development? Who has grown and improved under your watch? Because that tells us what kind of leader you are. And that should be indicative of how well you do across generations, how well you do across cultures, how well you do across multiple languages, as well as gender. So there's ways of incorporating this in that says your income, and again, I always follow the money because that's where I think that's the easiest lever to pull, is let's look at what your track record is, and that's going to relate to how well the rest of your future goes. Because now we're, and then give you something metric, not a quota, but a metric to say, this is what we're looking at. I, I like institutionalization um, to, to really embed things. I also think, and maybe, maybe Chris, this is also your part of education, but, but I, just, I just think it's being, co- it's being cognizant, right? I mean, myself included, being cognizant of things and saying, okay, have I done everything I can in this position right now to try to, to do things within my power to make a difference? Um, 
you know, because again, we still are working in a, a much broader societal context. I mean, even the, man, take Norway, the maternity and paternity leave, it is just not that same, you know, Chris, like you're saying, those sort of ways we think around it in the States, it's just not that. It's an amazing program and people aren't going to lose their jobs while they're on maternity or paternity leave. It's like, again, it's it's embedded. So, um, but because of that, because there is broader societal context, I really think we all need to, um, to do what we can. And this might sound lofty, but I think there's a, there's a thread around, I think of the, the Buckminster Fuller quote, and I'm going to mess it up, but when you're trying to change a paradigm, don't fight against it, build a new model and let the old one become obsolete. So I think the way through it is yes, institutionalizing, because the more we can build things in and, you know, put laws, put guidelines, like it, it, until it becomes normal, it forces us to do things and then it becomes the way it is. But I also think there's this, let's envision what it should be like and let's focus on that versus focusing on fixing and changing and what's wrong. Like you see the difference, like picture what we want versus let's stop, you know, something there. At the same time though, right? It's like, you know, can you can you go into a situation and expect sort of the existing the pre-existing culture to adapt to you right or do you have to go into change the cultures how do i change the culture right right and so i express new norms i champion that you know i uh uh you you take these new ideas and you celebrate them right you celebrate wins basically you know, we know the stuff that we, I mean, you're a consultant, Chris, right? The stuff that we measure changes, right? Yep. So we, we start putting up scoreboards that show that we're, we were playing a different game than the game we used to play. And the culture changes slowly in or however quickly it can, right? And there's a technology absorption model or a rate. There's a, you know, there's cultural change that can only happen at a certain rate. We have to be uh, respectful of all of those bits because there's only so much we can do because there'll be backlash if we don't get everybody truly moved along. But if we decide we're going to play a different game, and this is exactly what Wendy was talking about and what Buckminster Fuller was talking about, right? I can't reach into a thing and say, you're doing it wrong and pow and hit him in the face with it, right? What I got to do is I got to give them a new game. I give them a new game and I say, and here is how you win the new game. And this is a, and check it out. And everyone goes, ah, that's cool. I'm drawn to the novel anyway. I go to this idea and now it's like, all right. And so that was why I was getting to this thing before, but how do we build bridges? How do we celebrate these wins? How do we measure these new things so that we can change culture? And I think this is how we do it. And and we have to also say to ourselves, we're not going to change everybody and we're not going to change them all at once. You know, we're going to pull them little by little and move folks along. And this is how big changes get made. But it'll happen. You know I'm going to push back. I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to push back. Um, yeah. Thank, maybe you. This is hope. Thank you for uh, the cynic. Bring, <laughs> bring it. Bring it. Bring maybe it. Maybe this is part of my age. But you know what? I've, I've been listening to that for decades. And, and I think that if. You know, we're sitting here in a time when when we're watching the black population with the same thing. They've been hearing this is going to change. It's going to change slowly. And I'm calling bullshit. This needs to move faster now. That's enough. We there are cultures that are doing this really well. And I think we need a combination. I think we need initiatives to change behavior because that's the only thing that's going to change behavior in certain people. And I think we need exposure. What is inclusion? What are stories of microaggression? What are those things so that we can change hearts and minds? And all of that needs to happen at the same time so that there is a new game in town, if you will. But there also has to be ramifications because we've been saying this is going to change. This is going to change. This is going to change. And the needle is pathetic. But when we get this movement, when Me Too happened in, and the, that wasn't just a hashtag movement. Yes, it has had a wave. There's no doubt. But there were some actual changes. Women in the military, in the U.S. military, are actually standing up together now and saying, this is what's happening to us behind the scenes. So it, I think it needs that big push. I think it gets to have that big voice and a higher level of expectation because I don't want anybody here. I don't want our daughters to have to do this. And if we don't lose patience, they're going to because we're in the process of recreating our own history. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Wendy, I think I might have interrupted you, but I had to. 
get that yeah. now I promise. <laughs> not at all <laughs> you know, two is always um and, and as you said too carol it's it's nobody's looking for matriarchy it was just looking for like the 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 equal right um but i also think that the way through this is it's through doing the change in a way that people don't feel like they're losing and now somebody's winning. I think that's the key because nobody likes to change and people rail against that change when, when, when that, and not anybody's not suggesting that here, but I, yeah. I do think that's important to keep in mind because when you feel like you're losing something, losing power, losing money, losing influence, whatever, um, th- that's, that's big business, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Which- well, and you are. I mean, that's the reality is that there is going to be yeah. a shift in power. Not, not, yeah. you're not losing all of it, yeah. but you are going to share it. That's what we're asking yeah. is start sharing some of it. Um, so, sorry, go ahead, Wendy. I was just saying, I have, I have a crazy question. Um, yeah, I but, like crazy questions. <laughs> but, and I'll tell you my opinion and feel free to disagree. Some people will, but I still think that this problem is solved 50, 50 by both parties, men and women, right? There's, Things happen on men's side, but there's also things that happen on the women's side, right? Carol, you mentioned women not working together. And, you know, I even think, and this is a bad example, but we can draw the, the um, you know, the parallels to consulting. Um, if women would stop being in magazines and buying the magazines that we don't want to see, guess what? They wouldn't exist because they yep. really would not have a market. So do you guys think this is a 50-50 thing to make this change? Yeah, I, well, so I'll, I'll give, I'll give the the... The, the two second, my male perspective, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that uh, men specifically know what the right thing there is. Right. Oh, you know, yeah. do, do I invite, do I invite the female on my team to the golf outing with the guys or do I not? Will it seem sexist if I try to say, well, this is the event and it's sort of a male oriented event. So I'm going to, you know, like, and I think a lot of folks are sort of like, I don't, not sure what the right thing here to do is, you know, doing, you know, and if you go to inclusion, is it include everyone in everything? Well, you know, how does that work for team building? Like all, all those things. I think it's, it's not confusing. I think there are multiple answers and I think it's contextually dependent in a lot of cases. And I just don't think there's like a playbook, you know, do the decision tree, right? Do this, do this. Um, So that would be sort of my thought on that. Yeah. I think you're right. I actually, I don't think it's an equal push. I actually think women are a bigger part of it than men. And it, it is, it's an economic one. It's, it's finding a job in the, if you have the ability and, and this is a very broad stroke, but if you have the ability, it's, it's, it's looking in the places where they are respectful of both genders and you're feeling good about it. And therefore you're supporting them with your skills as an employee, you're supporting them with your dollars as a consumer. And I think we're seeing more and more and more of that of, well, this company supports this group and therefore they're not going to get my consumer dollar. And and I think that is how we make a difference. And I absolutely agree with you. It's very difficult to be arguing gender equality and then looking at how women are represented in magazines and those magazines are bought by women. And so, yeah, there's, there's, there is enormous cultural differences here and are reason to have waves. And I think this is one of the times when I look at someone like Norway and I go, that's such a different culture. It'd be so interesting to just try and do a little deconstruction. Where is it that, 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 there's a, that there's a mindset that's different? And how is it that we could take that slower journey that Phil's referring to and really have impact in our homes and our schools? Because we can't wait till they get to the job market. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I would, you know, of course, I'm still ruminating on Wendy's question. You know, is it a 50-50 proposition? And I don't know. I mean, all I have control over is me. And I think that, you know, that's my job is to change me. And I can hopefully model good behavior. And I hope that women take their part in this and they model good behavior as well. And in the end, we head in the right direction. Uh, I think that's it's an interesting question right uh but you know just do the right thing if you can and let's figure out what that is and if i'm wrong about what the right thing is then help educate me and i will do the same for you right i mean i think my bit is to i i can help you understand what i think the right thing is you know i like back to wendy's earlier idea of you know what does it mean to be a good human uh, but what are the things that it means to be a good human how do i execute those things well and uh 
And then how do I get other people to see the same thing with me? And I, I think they don't. I mean, we're in a, we are in a shared subjective reality, which is full of conflict at the moment. And I'm trying to figure out how to get out of that. Is that Plato's cave? Is that what that is? No, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to use a term of art, right? I mean, but the thing is, that's that whole thing that we've talked about how we change culture. And, you know, and Carol says, look, I want this thing to be faster. And I appreciate that, right? I get it. People want this to be faster. And it seems like it's taken a long time. And there's been lots of missteps. And I can't argue any of that, right? There's a lot of ignoble actors involved in this, right? People who aren't, who don't seem to be motivated by be, what does it mean to be a better human? I want to be a better human. Mm -hmm. I want to figure out how to help you be a better human. But not everybody sees it that way. And I also have almost no control over, but any, over anybody else. So I got to figure out how to just run my way through this. That's a, that's a very stoic uh, approach to that, though. I like I'll that. tell you, man, it's the only way I can maintain any equanimity in this at all. I mean, because if you read what other people are doing in the world, it'll make you nuts. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is, as a struggler along this line, right, as we've talked about before, as a struggler who's trying to do well, I mean, I thought like yesterday was one of those days I got up and, oh, my God, I accidentally read Twitter before I started my day. It just made me crazy what I saw, what I thought were smart people, what they were doing in the world and what they were talking about. And it took me a while to kind of get my balance back and say, well, wait a second, I've got zero control over that. And so how do I get that? But it's just, it's that same bit. Look, I want us all to be good people. I want to be aligned with other people who want to be good people. And I understand we might not even agree on what that is, but let's figure that out together and move ahead. That's me. I. I yeah, the first mistake was reading Twitter first thing in the morning, right? <laughs> it was it was a tragic error in my day. It, it was a tragic <laughs> loss of, of my own uh, ideas for the day. The world got a hold of me before I got a hold of the world. I don't know, Wendy, did, did any of that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So let, let, let me throw out a crazy question at the risk of, you know, inviting wrath. <laughs> It's Roth here. Roth. <laughs> oh, we are highfalutin, aren't we? Righteous uh, Roth. We don't have wrath. We have Roth. Well, um, <laughs> you know, this, uh, so, you know, I hear what Carol's saying, right? It's, this is, you know, this is what we should want as a society. This is what women want in society. And, and Wendy, I hear what you're saying. This is what we should want in a society like Norway's, um, where, you know, is, is maybe a model of that. I hear what Phil is saying. There's, you know, I can only control my own actions, right? And, things of that nature. Um, there's a, there's a major element here that we're not talking about, which is our clients, right? You know, what do they want? And, uh, you know, do, I'm just going to say it and then, you know, you can, you can attack, but um, do they care, right? Do, or do they only care about the result, the outcome, right? I don't care if you have, you know, all, all females, all men, whatever the mix is, you know, all different races at creeds it, it does it's irrelevant all we care about is the outcome and if the outcome is this great if it's not it didn't matter that you had 50 percent women 50 percent you know old young you know white black right? all all of the different sort of you know uh, diverse perspectives which by the way i think diversity includes a lot of those other things as well right but diversity of background diversity of age diversity, all of those things um but does it do they care or do they only really care about the outcome if you would have asked this question, even in the current, even like her 10, 10 years ago, the answer would have been different. I feel like there's just all sorts of, you know, trends and forces and realization and then digital. Now we're all connected and have sort of all this, this visibility, I think has made clients care more. Um, but it also kind of depends on the work. If it's just like move this thing to there, maybe a little bit less so, but I, I, I do think it matters more, but I, by the way, I also want to spin this to a different, um, to a different angle, which has really been my career, which is I don't think about my gender. I think about being the best possible practitioner and leader I can be in serving the community and clients around the world. And I don't think about it. And so to the point of that, then I hope the opportunity in that is I don't care if you are a woman. I want the results and you can give it. So my two cents. You know, I was I was really 
blast. I was brought up in a home where the the whole idea that I was a woman and couldn't do something was just not even in the conversation. So when I walk into a room, I don't walk in aware of my gender. I've had some really interesting conversations with people who talk about being aware of their skin color. I don't have any of that around gender. I walk in and I have a role to play and my job is exactly what Wendy says to focus in on my, on the outcome. I think some companies genuinely care because they want to have representation and it comes more at when they're staring at a group of middle-aged white guys that they feel is the same white guys they had last time and they want something new and different. But I think Wendy's point of the optics on social media and the transparency that's going on, there is so much pressure to do it right and do it politically correct. That's so much bigger than it was in the nineties because of how transparent everything is. I think that's probably the bigger driver. I think a lot of them have real soul, but others are just saying, wow, soul sells well. And as a woman, I actually don't care. Um, if it's, if it's helping to create opportunities that should be given to a different candidate who wasn't considered before due to her gender, then that's a good thing. And I am never asking for the door to be open for someone who hasn't done the work to get there. I'm simply saying when they're sitting side by side, does she have an equal legging and opportunity? That's the question. No special treatment. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. I don't need your special treatment. Mm -hmm. I don't need charity. What are the lessons then, right? Are there lessons here for like, um, you know, up and comers, uh, folks that have been at it for decades, you know, uh, new entrants into the mart, into the new practitioners in in consulting, what, what lessons or do we have, or can we impart here? Uh, Maybe to men, maybe to women, maybe it doesn't matter. I don't, I'm kind of curious, Wendy, what your thoughts are here. Yeah. Um, So, so maybe some, some lessons from my perspective. Um, I think uh, to women, I'll say to women and then to men, to, to women, um, especially if I were coaching my younger self or, or, or a younger woman in her career, build the confidence, uh, the competence, build the competence, the abilities, um, work, work as, as hard as you can to sort of get those wins early um, in line with where the future is going. Um, but the second thing, and, and perhaps the most important thing I can say is build confidence. When I often look to compare, and I, I actually have a, a time I'm thinking of, it was a huge round table. It was 40 of us in a room and there were like two or three women and the rest were men and me um, and another a gentleman facilitator. And um, I, I look at all the dynamics and the men in that room did not feel at all hesitant to jump in, but the women sort of apologized and held and, you know, and, and didn't really speak a lot, even though I knew that they were, they were practitioners that were competent. So um, I think one of the biggest thing that's at the root of a lot of things, whether it's seeing opportunities or speaking out or whatever it is, is confidence and building confidence, not just comes from, from learning things, but at least for me, it's come from from things I do outside of the of the office, right? So like I'm really into running and I've run some very long distances. And that gives me the confidence to be like, well, you know, at least it's not a 29-hour run, you know, like so confidence would be my my one maybe uh takeaway there for women. For for men, I think it might be around seeing the bigger picture. Um, in in and here's what I mean by that, not just you know, this specific exchange or what we can do, what we can't do. It's, you know, even if that thing, that solution is really great, but if nobody uses it and, you know, the bigger picture people aren't on board, you know, does it matter? Or if this company succeeds and just rocks it, like, does it matter if it's not doing the right things for society? So that applies equally to men and women, but, but maybe just a thought that came to me. Uh, I, you know, I often wonder, you know, on your first point, right? You know, do do women when they're starting out feel like they have to do more, right? In yes. in order to achieve, right? Yes. In order to stand yes. out. Yes. And then also in those in those sort of you know war room, meeting room, conference room discussions, I'm, I always I'm curious about it because we know we know science tells us right women use more words and more of the the language than men do, mm-hmm. and yet there are those situations where it's men doing all the talking, which you know. Ordinarily, it would just be like, you know, some grunting and, you know, build a fire and, you know, kill a, <laughs> and 
you know, we are just beers with furniture, essentially, right? <laughs> um, and it, so it's just this weird sort of thing. Like you have all the words, you're not using the words. You know what? What we don't have the words. We barely speak English properly or any language properly, right? You guys have the language. You use it way more often, and yet in certain scenarios, you don't. And I just find that that's an interesting thing to me. Always has been. I think that there's an opportunity if I would if I were coaching women it would be start with the idea that whoever it is that's mistreating you in the workplace is coming from a well-intended place and they're just don't get it. So help be part of their education. An example I had is I had a mid-manager come to me and she said, my senior leader, I'll go in with my co- my colleague. Anything I say gets brushed off. He can say the exact same thing and it's hailed as the great idea. And she said, by the third time it happened, I mentioned to my colleague, are you seeing this or am I just being, and she put herself in, she said, I might be not seeing this right. And the third time it happened, they walked out and he said, wow, now I get it. And she went back to the senior leader and said, I want to point something out because I don't think this is intentional. And here's what's happening and here's how it's happening. And I think that that was really important to be able to say in a non-confrontation, non-public way of just saying, let's have a conversation about something that's happening. And then on the male side of that, because this is female male politics, I, I think men if they could figure out a way to open the door that says feedback isn't doesn't mean I'm a bad person, it means there's room for growth. And if I, as a leader, am in charge of making decisions for people that, whose gender I am not, whether I'm male or female, it's my job to make sure that I'm listening and I'm hearing when they come to me. And I have this open door that says there's room for growth. You might not realize it, but there's, there's, there's a pattern happening here. And then the final piece to women is if you find yourself absolutely beating your head against a wall and you feel like what you're doing is starting to chip away at that confidence you work so hard to get and not appreciated in those competencies you work so hard to earn, leave. Because the opportunities are abounding for competent women. People are dying to have you. And before you take that next step, ask if you can just find out a little bit about their mentorship program. Ask if there's somebody who you could talk to who's your gender in that role now that you could just have a conversation with so you can understand the culture. Because do yourself the favor of doing the extra mile research. And if they're the kind of company who really wants you, they'll appreciate it. And give yourself that room to be the leader in this, because a lot of companies are just looking for people who can step into those roles in a really valid way that's not angry, that's not judgmental, but just says, let's make some change here. So that was, those would be my ideas. No, I, I think these are all good. And so as I kind of recapped the thoughts that I came up with here, I thought, you know, first off, and I don't mind, I, don't, I didn't split this into genders, because I, I think I this advice is good for both sides for everybody right be a good human right now first off right whenever that opportunity arises for you um i think the thread that we hit about uh be a mentor have a mentor you know make sure that you are engaging in relationships that help people move along the ladder right so reach up to the folks ahead of you reach the folks behind you help everybody move forward i think that's good um one thing that i saw see in here is there are lots of opportunities to get this wrong so i think having in your head of don't be the obstacle be the bridge builder for anybody to kind of make these things happen i like that a lot and then for men or women and i want to make this absolutely clear it's both i think you ought to realize this is a great moment to have just a little bit of courage. So that means in the woman, that means speaking up. That means in the man, when you see something going wrong, speaking up. But the opportunity to make those connections, just having courage in the moment can just be a real game changer for everybody involved. So those are kind of my takeaways, my thoughts in this moment. I think there's, I have real hope for what can come next. I believe that we're trying to be, everyone's trying to be good people. Some people just are really bad at it. Let's figure out how to be better at it. You know, I'm looking at it. Uh, I, I would give advice sort of the same if it was my daughter or my son kind of thing, right? Which is include people because, you know, if you don't include people for any reason at all, even if you really don't like them, you know, and there's lots of those people in my life, right? <laughs> but maybe it's the other way around. They don't like me. That's okay too. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you got to include them because if you don't, 
um, you know, th- there's no opportunity at all to get it right or wrong because you're just not including it. Like there's, there's no forward me- momentum even possible if you're not including somebody in something. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's not always fun. It's not always easy. It's not always, you know, it may not even always be right. You might be including someone that, you know, has a odious sort of perspective on things, but you need to include everybody all the time because otherwise without that point of friction, there's no, there's no interface. There's no way for anything to, to change or, or happen. So I, I think that would be my advice for, for the, for my, my younger self or, or whatever, my, my younger female self, even. Um, so, um, so kind of last question, final thoughts. I'm, I'm curious, you know, um, here we are 2020, lots of crazy crap has happened this year, right? Um, this topic, which was huge, right? Like front page news every day, like for weeks and weeks on end, what last year, or the year before, right? Um, sort of gave way as everything did to pandemic news. So I guess the question is, you know, bit of a two-parter. Are things still on track getting better in the sort of gender role, the women in consulting bit? And, you know, if not, what, you know, what needs to happen in order for that to sort of come back to the fore? Or are we just going to talk about COVID forever? Hopefully not. So yeah, that- so I want to cha- I want to challenge that thing right off the front, and I don't want to ask you about this because yeah. here's my piece on this. Uh, you know, because I thought I remember when we were at the beginning, of this it's like, oh my gosh, so we're we're going to get locked into this, and we're super concerned about it, and this becomes everything, and then we'll how do we find our way out of it? And then there's there was all the folks that were sort of super hopeful that this is only going to last a month or two, and then poof, we're going to pop out of it. And that didn't happen either, right? And I was like, and I was like, okay, how do I prepare for the longer period. We had some conversations about that. But now I get the sense that people think, well, there's a vaccine, there's multiple vaccines coming. And I realize it's not quick or anything like that. But now I realize I have to prepare myself for the pivot out of this thing. Um, And I'm not saying that's going to happen in a month or three months. It might be a year. I mean, I'm hoping it's not two years or three years, but I don't know. Um, But I think the thing is, I know there is an out on the other end of this where we're not thinking about this so much. So how do I prep for it now? So anyway, I'm going to answer your question as you asked it, which was first, I don't know. I don't, I I really am not the mathematician in this, right. Or the statistical person. I don't really know what's going on in that space. I know what I'm trying to get done. I certainly see lots of interest and activity and I hope that it's going well. Um, But I also think that we're, we are going to find our way to have conversations about other things than just pandemic because it will not be the core of our lives three years from now, I hope. And so you think the women in consulting sort of issue um, is better, getting better, or are we sort of circling in the same sort of stratum on some of these topics? I live in a very small world in the scheme of things. I would trust folks like Carol and Wendy to have a better perspective of what this might look like globally. Um, you know, the folks that I'm talking to, they seem to, they seem to have hope, but I'm not sure. I would trust them to see. I have a better point of view than I do. They're on a much higher mountaintop with this idea. Carol, what, what's your perspective on this? Things getting better, or are we um, at? From I would say from entry level till upper management, things are better, significantly better, especially over the past decade. I would say there remains a glass ceiling. Um, I work with groups that are bringing in executives at VP level and above, and the numbers are have gotten much better. I mean, there's nothing sadder than walking into a room where there's the token woman and she's over there going, oh, great, this is going to be fun. And, um, and my dream is not that we continue. My dream is that this is no longer a necessary conversation. That's where I want to go. I, I want to go where in Norway, this would be, why are we talking about this? And that's exactly where I think, for me, that's the end zone. That's when we've really accomplished something is when they're, the rules are in place, but nobody even remembers it because they don't need them. They're just doing good human behavior to Phil's point. Awesome. That's good stuff. Wendy, um, 
you're, you're the guest. So you get the last word on this. Oh my gosh. Um, no, I do. I do think there's, there's momentum and right. It's, it's, you know, it's sort of only increasing here. I don't, I don't think we're going to backslide. And I think, you know, efforts like me to just bring things, you know, up, bring more awareness. I don't know that we need that level of awareness constantly. I think we need to do the work and accelerate it, right? And be cognizant of it. Um, so, you know, what What I'm looking for too, I mean, there's numbers, but, but I'm also looking for stories, right? So I love to see the, you know, the Fortune 500, you know, CEOs that are women and, and what they're doing and how they're running the companies and how they're respected. Um, I mean, even, uh, let me just give a very powerful snapshot. There is a there's a woman chief in Malawi, in Africa, and um, she's responsible for 900,000 people. And a woman chief is is rare, but in that position, she's annulled all these child marriages and she's all for education for girls and boys, right? So back to our point about be a good human in your position, do what you can. I think more and more stories like that. Um, I've also read that there's more women-owned businesses. So we're pivoting around it in different ways until everything comes to equilibrium. But um, let's let's keep the acceleration going. But I don't think we're going to go backwards from here. So I only see possibility for the future. Awesome. That's that's good stuff. I Listen, I really appreciate your time on this, Wendy. Um, I thought it was an interesting discussion. Um, guys, uh, I again, Phil and Carol, always appreciate your time. Always good to see you. What, Always good to see which, gla- which glasses Phil is going to wear. Um, right. So I it's like the blue. Day. I like the blue day. Um, thank you, everyone, for uh, watching. And um, you know, you can obviously go to the YouTube channel. You can like and subscribe. And if you want to see all of our new stuff, you can click the bell. Sit up here, up there. Click the it's bell. somewhere. It's on the screen. Right. <laughs> um, and subscribe and like, guys. Subscribe and like. Subscribe and like. <laughs> Obviously, uh, consultantsayingthings.com and, um, you know, and we'll have uh, Wendy's uh, link there to her LinkedIn profile also up uh, as well. And probably your business, too. We'll put that up there for you. as well. So thank you again, everybody. Appreciate it. Um, Everyone have a good day. We'll see everyone next time. Thank you. Onwards. Thank you.